This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Friday, August 21st, 2020, and my guest is the awesome Matt Miller of ZDNet. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great, Miriam. How are you? I'm pretty awesome. It's uh, Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra Review Week. That's right. You reviewed it. I did. I reviewed it. And as a S-Pen I'm fan, I'm exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited about it. <laughs> It's going to be fun. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking I want to get you started. Like, I'm going to link to your review in the show notes, obviously. But would you tell the audience, in a nutshell, what, what's your take? So, I'm a huge Note fan. I think I started with the Note 3. Um, uh-huh. And every year since then, I've, I've purchased the Note. Um, the Note 10, to me, wasn't a huge upgrade from the Note 9. I know Larry Dignan at ZDNet is also a Note user. He skipped the Note 10. It just wasn't offering enough. Uh, after, what do we had, two or three weeks with the Note 20 Ultra, I think it is the upgrade that Note 9 users have been looking for, in my opinion. I, I say you could go ahead and skip the Note 10, no problem, but the Note, Note 20 Ultra, the Ultra version, we'll talk about that, I suppose, a little bit compared to the Note 20. The Note 20 Ultra is the one to get. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up the Note 10 because I felt mm-hmm. like the Note 10 was a really nice cosmetic upgrade. Like I really felt it looked the part. Like I felt the Note 9 and the 8 kind of had a little frumpy in the back because of like that, uh, and, you know, <laughs> fingerprint scanner and the and the heart rate sensor. And it just, it wasn't quite put together. And I felt like the Note 10 was a really sleek and elegant phone. And I feel like the Note 20, even the regular 20, wow. Like I really think design-wise, this is the, the pinnacle of Samsung design. This yeah, is absolutely. true and true a Samsung phone, you know? Absolutely. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of the matte finished glass on the back. I, 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 we saw that, we see that a lot with OnePlus. I love, love, love the matte finished glass because I can, cannot stand <laughs> glossy fingerprints everywhere on yeah, my phones. Yeah, yeah. I just love the feel of it, you know, so. Oh, I'm um, with you 100%. I think that the design is, is you know, it's not the most important thing for us, right? Because especially right, the right. Note user is a right. power user. You're more concerned about this S Pen, you're more concerned about other things. But I feel like if it's going to be Samsung's flagship, the S20 didn't deliver this year. It did, doesn't look very interesting, you know? It's fine. Yeah, and, and it's funny, you know, I, I tried the S20 Ultra um, I saw reviewing it around, but I could never adopt it as my daily driver. Uh, it seemed too chunky to me, too big. Yeah. It didn't offer enough. And then, of course, as you mentioned in your review on Gear Diary, um, the cameras, uh, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, the Note 20 Ultra is a great improvement over the S20 Ultra um, because I had so many problems. I know they've, they've issued some software updates since then and they fixed some things, but it's still the Note 20 Ultra is the camera that I wish we would have had in the S20. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like, I feel like, okay, you have to cut them some slack, at least on the Ultra, the S20 Ultra, about having tried something new, right? It's first yeah. time for them doing like that 108 megapixel sensor, which right. is, it's a beast to handle um, this level of compute. Um, and first time doing a periscope folded lens, right? I'm, I'm willing to give them yeah, yeah, credit okay. for that. Uh, and it's it makes sense that the Note 20 Ultra would, you know, kind of as an iteration, fix a lot of these issues like autofocus. And I think there's something really special about that 108 megapixel sensor and the fact that it's it's op- the optics that they had to create for it make it, give it such a shallow depth of field. Mm-hmm. It's really delicious to shoot with if you like that sort of look because you don't need to use portrait mode. Like if you get close to a subject, you immediately get that creamy, totally natural optical bouquet right. in the background. It's just lovely. The one thing I used to use my Note 10, though, for uh-huh. a lot was macro shots. And as you mentioned in your review, you've got to approach macro shots a little bit differently with, totally. the, with the S20 and the Note 20. But once you figure out how to do it properly, then you're back to, you know, It's interesting, too, because it's hit, and, it hit, it's hit and miss. Like, half the time, it'll actually give you that advice, you know, using that, that scene optimizer, which tells right. you, like, how to use your phone. So half the time, you, it, it figures out you're trying to take a close-up, and it goes... Uh, 
pull back and then it right. switches on. Like you can tell it switches automatically to two X for you. And right. other times, and you can turn that off by the way, but other times um, it would just sit there and I'd have to like, if, if I didn't know, I, I, if I was a normal user, I wouldn't know. And so I would yeah. have to, to like manually pull back and hit the two X to get that. And to be clear, obviously for the listeners, anything up to five X on the Note 20 Ultra in terms of zoom is done by the main lens, right? right? So what you're doing is at that point, it's like a compromise between the pixel binning that it's doing for low light at three by three mm-hmm. and the, uh, you know, using every pixel individually. So the more you zoom, the less binning there is, the more data you lose, I guess, in terms right. of like the more noise you gain and the less, the more pixels you throw out, I guess. And so that's that's one of the side effects of having don't having you don't have a 2x or a 3x telephoto and you right. have a 5x so and, and continue a little bit on the hardware is uh <laughs> once you try a 120 hertz display oh my god you can't go back i know I mean, it's so hard to go back to 60 hertz again you know so I, I i love that on the note 20 ultra i mean i'm i will take refresh rate over resolution every time Absolutely. and and i have Agreed. to say that this is the first time because i don't have a choice because in the past i'm kind of hardcore like on the one plus and other phones i always peg it to 120 or uh, right. 90 like i say you stay at that frequency i want you to refresh fast all the time and uh now i've i've decided that maybe the adaptive option if it's available on another phone like for example i have the vivo x50 pro Okay, which is yeah. the crazy gimbal phone mm-hmm. and it's a 90 hertz refresh and it has an adaptive mode which i turned off i forced it to 90 right. because it has a 90 option and a 60 option and, a, and an adaptive and i'm now i'm thinking of maybe switching to adaptive because i mean unless they don't do it as well as samsung samsung does it so well that you don't really notice exactly yeah i, w- I was hoping to hear somebody else's input on that because i'm not finding that i yeah, noticed that difference I mean, by them supposedly that. it can go down to 10 hertz Right. Uh, when like you're not, nothing's moving on the screen and you're not touching the phone. Right. And and obviously you don't need to refresh it more than yeah. 10 times a second at that point, right? But as soon as you're scrolling, scrolling you want this to be buttery smooth. Right. And it, it's it's delivering on that. Look, I think the Ultra is really the ultra-est hardware that Sam, <laughs> like the Note 20. Like, yeah. and again, it goes back to the S20 Ultra. I have a review in it too and I was just like, I never got into it. Like, no, it no, just never. looks a very, like it looks like, <laughs> Somebody, if you ask, like, uh, you know, a graphic designer, please draw a generic phone for our marketing material. Right. Other than the camera bump on the S20 Ultra, which is pretty impressively big yeah, because of its right. spec, like, they would draw an S20 or S20 Plus. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, and, right. and the S20 Ultra follows that design language. And because of that, to me, it just doesn't feel right. You yeah, know? And it, was, it was kind of an odd lineup anyway to have an S device like that i mean the s devices are really more of the mass market consumer type device and it seems like the s20 ultra went a bit too far right they could have could have had the s20 the s20 plus and then went to the note 20 and note 20 ultra i think without even having that s20 ultra i mean in a way i'm glad they did because they were able to improve the camera you know (laughs) and so now we have a really like i think that the you know it's really the short of of course the the Z Fold 2, which is coming, right. you know, I think this is the flagship. This is, this is it. Like, I just love the look to like the squarish, like mm. that really square design of the Note. Absolutely. I'm not a big fan of the waterfall screen, but it's, you know, I'm used to it now with Samsung and this isn't too pronounced and it's manageable. But I feel like if they could do that with a flat screen, Mm-hmm. And you know how the corners are not super rounded on the screen, on the actual pixels of the screen? Like, right. give us a phone in that square chassis with no waterfall and still right. super slim side bezels and the very, very small radius corners that we have in, you know, the, uh, in, in the note today. But give that to us, like, next year. And, and that, that would be the perfect design. And so yeah. I think it looks really great. I love the matte, the finish as well. I'm, you know, we can also talk about the Note 20 and the plastic finish and the 60 hertz display. And that phone doesn't make sense. I've been saying that for three episodes now. No, but it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's a gateway. You know. I think that you know I, I'm I'm also not a huge fan of the waterfall display. Sometimes I have the accidental presses if I have too many fingers on there. But the width of the Note 20 Ultra helps kind of dampen dampen that but um i agree on the note 20 i don't quite understand (laughs) 
that device. It, it offers just too many compromises, in my opinion, for the price. You know. I mean, I think it's a, it's a, you know, I, I said the first time after after the uh, unpacked event, the the week of that recording that podcast i said they're trolling us like it's yeah, literally yeah. let them seeing oh let's see what we can get it can get away with right, right. but I, I and i still feel that way in a way but i do feel actually more now that it's a gateway product it's like yeah, right. you look at the note 20 and you're like man i might as well spend 300 dollars more and get the ultra and yeah, i think kind of yeah. that's kind of the idea and we all know samsung phones right like yeah. you can i think i don't know exact exact details so don't quote me on this folks but I believe you can buy a Note 20 Ultra for $700 already. And the way it, you're doing that mm. is by you have to return it in 20 months. Right. Like you actually have to give it back. Right, right. So, I mean, that's genius. Like yeah. <laughs> for $700, you know, you're not going to keep that phone for more than two years. Especially if you're a Note user, right? Exactly. I mean. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen? You, you're just going to sit in a drawer. You're not going to have time to sell it or something. Right, and the value will drop too far to be able and to then, do it. So, and then, yeah, so this absolutely. is this is glorious. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, in the same way as Apple and Samsung both have that kind of subscription-based right. yearly update thing, I think for, for the power user, that, and, and some carriers have that deal as well, I think that's actually not a, a bad idea, right? Yeah, yeah, right? The problem with the carriers is that you carry your devices, you know, and then you get all the bloatware that comes with that. But right. I feel like for the notes, you can, if, if Samsung starts doing this more regularly, I think is going to be great. Yeah. Um, real quick on the S Pen, just because that's that's a yeah. I want I want to hear your take on that because I'm not an S Pen user, right? And you're a Note user, so like obviously it's better. But is it? Are you happy? I am extremely happy. So okay. on the Note 10, I, I barely used the Air Actions. Um, I I used them kind of for testing and found them kind of gimmicky. Um, in the three weeks I've been using the Note 20 Ultra, I use them almost every single day, and and they're much more accurate. And I love that I can dive into um, right now, I think on my device that I have, I have about 12 apps that I can customize the controls with the S Pen. Mm -hmm. So you can go into the S Pen settings and actually customize exactly what that S Pen will do in specific applications. Wow. And I love that ability. And then with that 120 hertz screen refresh rate and the improvements on the S Pen latency. Um, performance yeah. and latency, I mean, it is it's just a flawless writing experience. I love it. I'm having a it's blast. It's now down to nine milliseconds, and you feel yeah. it. Like I yeah. notice it immediately. Um, it's more. It's a lot more like using the Apple Pencil on an iPad right. Pro yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, and that's that's good news. I, I feel um, to me like I haven't even tried the gestures because I'm kind of biased and thinking it's just going to be a disaster. Because uh, it has been in the past. It's been inconsistent, right? And if you're in, if you if if the action won't happen. All then the time, or cares, nearly right. all the time, then yeah. who cares? But I, I, in my experiences, I've seen very consistent, reliable behavior this time on the S Pen. So the thing that delighted me this time using the S Pen, and maybe that was on the Note 10 last year, but I just didn't notice, was that when you are the phone is off, uh, not mm -hmm. off, like on, and you know, not the screen is not on, like your phone is locked, and you pull out the pen, you can right. scribble on your screen right right, right away. Right. I love that it. As you hover, it shows you what pen you're about to use. Yeah, yeah. It shows you the color and thickness of the pen you're about to use right there as you hover with the pen before you actually hit the screen. That hover, that's the best use of hover I have seen yet, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, you know, there, there's, it's intuitive, there's other, there's other you know? little software things they added, like the ability to sign PDFs directly now. I mean, I'm surprised that wasn't in there all this time. Like, I know I can't believe it wasn't. That was like a natural thing, but now that's in there, and th there's a lot coming. I'm I'm personally a uh, Microsoft Services user at work, so I can't wait for more Microsoft integration. When I can get my Samsung Notes, which is actually a very much improved application, but soon that will sync up to my OneNote, and then right. I mean that then it's perfect for me. Then I'm all set. There's no doubt to me the Note users should upgrade this year. Yeah, and right. that this is going to keep them very happy. And, uh, but I'm not a Node user. So to me, I can do, like, to me, this could be an S series phone and I would still feel as amazed and happy with it yeah. as I do now. Like right. what I want to point out to people is that if you are coming from an S series and it's time for you to upgrade and you're trying to decide between the S20 series phones and the Note 20 series phones, other than the fantastic discounts available on the S20s right mm -hmm. now, <laughs> I would say that if you can afford it or you could get 
a good deal from your carrier or something. Right, good trade. Spring for the yeah. Note 20 Ultra because even if you never touch that S Pen once, this is a formidable phone. Right, absolutely. Like, and not just because it's big and has all the specs and it's $1,300. Those are formidable things for sure. <laughs> but I feel that overall, like this is such a winner of a phone. Yeah. Like it's like everything but the kitchen sink. It, 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 other than the headphone jack, which as I said last show, is apparently no longer part of the inventory in the kitchen sink. Uh, it's gone forever. <laughs> but I feel like really they've hit everything, every little detail you can think of, plus future-proof tech, like the app, iPhone has this as well, the ultra-wideband for yeah, uh, right. you know file transfers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like... Performance is incredible. Battery life is good. That's an area that perhaps if you're really a heavy, heavy user and you don't care about the S Pen, the S20 Ultra would be better because it has 500 milliamp hour more. Right. Um, But most people I've talked to, you know, you're like my my journalist colleagues and stuff. There's a few who have said, ah, it's not good enough for me, the battery. Mm. Like, so how do you feel? Because I'm fine with it. I'm a pretty heavy user and, um, you know, I, I... I work mostly remotely now, but every every once in a while I do go into the office in Seattle. I ride the train and all this. So I spend a lot of time on my phone on those days and I'm able to go a full day with it. So um, it, that's kind of, you know, I don't do a, a lot of battery testing. I just kind of do, here's what I do every day testing. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm easily able to go the full day. And that's how I evaluate it as well. Yeah. Because I do the same things all the time, right? <laughs> like yeah, so you have a good point of reference. Like, if you yeah, do the same yeah. things all the time with the same phones, then you have a really good point of reference. That's the right. same with me. One other thing I, I, I learned yesterday since I did take the train in is I finally was able to test the 5G away from my little local area where I roam right now on this remote work atmosphere. And I was blown away. I, I'm seeing, I mean, Samsung devices always see really good reception, right? But yeah. I was seeing 5G performance yesterday on the order of, I think it was 140 megabits per second down. And this is T-Mobile, right? You're on. T-Mobile, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Four, and about 40 up. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I, man, I've been testing man. a lot of 5G phones. I've never seen it this fast on my train route, which is behind cities and in kind of the background areas. So, stuff. you know, I heard from my friends at Hot Hardware, since, you know, I write reviews for them primarily right, right now. I just happened to do this uh, camera uh, review for uh, my friend Judy at, at Gear Diary, but... The guys at Hot Hardware in their review said that it's using Qualcomm's latest power amplifier for uh-huh. 5G. Like it's a, some new chip for the actual PA stage of okay. the 5G, which I think is why we're seeing these improvements. Because I agree with you, having used it both on AT&T and T-Mobile in the same place, I've used other 865, mm-hmm. X55 phones. The performance is slightly better and... uh Overall, very impressive. I haven't obviously been able to test it on Verizon Ultra Wideband because we don't have any of that in the right. Bay Area right now. But yeah, look, I mean, performance is solid. Battery life is solid. The camera is fantastic. I suggest you read my review. It'll be in the uh, in the uh, show notes. It's basically, you know, it's kind of cuts the difference. It splits the difference me between the iPhone. 11 series mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. pixel 4 series in the sense that it's almost as good as a pixel 4 in terms of stills imaging and it, and i say 4 in general like that includes the 4a right um because the 4 obviously has two lenses with the telephoto um but in general i'm talking like comparing main lenses right and mm-hmm. then in terms of video it's almost as good as an iphone 11 and to me the iphone 11 is still the best at recording video yeah, right and and in the and the Pixel is still the best at recording at doing stills with the main sensor. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like unless you're going telephoto, that's where the, you yeah. know, if you go telephoto <laughs> right now. So it's interesting to me, like maybe we can get into this. I don't know if you noticed this be, be, between the S20 Ultra and the Note 20 Ultra, but I feel like the S20 Ultra's Periscope 4X zoom lens telephoto was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. Like it was a, kind of a terrible implementation in some ways i i don't know I, terrible is probably exaggerated but it was like they they just missed the mark a lot somehow mm. like it just didn't come out that great to me right. despite being you know very good on paper yet right. this thing it improves where you really need it most like it goes from 4x to 5x optical mm-hmm. so you know glass always wins right now we're still not quite as good at computational to catch up for glass right. deficiencies yep. And then the sensor went down from a 48 megapixel to a 12. 
And even though it's not a great sensor, it's only one micron pixel. Mm-hmm. The f-stop is much, fa- the lens is much faster. It's a right. much, it's a larger aperture. And as a result, it gathers more light. So you lose a little bit of performance on the sensor, but you gain a little performance on the lens and a lot of performance on the actual optics of zooming. Right, right. And the end result, I feel that even at 50x, you side by side, I feel the, I mean, you don't want to ever use photos at 50X, but if you had to, (laughs) I feel that side by side, the Note 20 Ultra is better than the S20 Ultra by a thin margin. And I think that the P40 Pro Plus that I have from Huawei, Mm -hmm. which has a native 10X optical, it still beats them. Uh, At 50X, the... The uh, the P40 Pro Plus struggles because it only has an eight megapixel sensor behind oh, that lens. Okay. So right. you know it's starting like it has, but it's only going at five. It's only going five x digital because right. it's got a ten x optical, right? So right. it's kind of a, a, a wash. I feel that you can use any of these three phones up to twenty x without any issues, yeah. like for actual decent photos and results. Exactly. Which is kind of like if we had told each other that two years ago, we would have been <laughs> they are nuts. Yeah. That's not possible. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. I think 20x is really a nice, a, a, a nice distance of telephoto that support that you're going to get with a good picture. 50, I just do that to kind of mess around, and you know, I, I look at Mount Rainier. What kind of details um, can I see? You know, sure, it's yeah. more of uh, not necessarily taking a picture, but if I want to see something that's far away, just to kind of see what's there vaguely, that helps. You know, more yeah. of like using it almost as binoculars, really, than a than yeah, exactly, a camera, yeah, absolutely. If you use it that way, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I still think though that now you can take photos at 5x and 10x that are superb, yeah, and at absolutely. 20x that are very usable, and. Beyond that, it's a binocular, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think that, like, I mean, that's where the iPhone, no matter which one you get, and the Pixels, no matter which one you get, can't even touch can't it. Can't do that, right. Yeah. And so, in that way, it, that's what I meant when I said it's kind of in between the two. Like, it, it's as, it's like a triangle, right? You have, like, <laughs> the notes at one Apex, the iPhone 11 at the other, and the Pixel at the other. And the Pixel is the king of main sensor photography, and the iPhone's the you know, queen of, of video. And then the, the note is like the, the zoom master, right? Like it's, it's kind Can of you amazing. Imagine if Samsung was able to get Google software in their phones. Oh man. <laughs> I think, you know, and if they could get, if they could get, uh, Apple's color science yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, stabilization know-how, don't get me wrong. It's not like the note 20 can't take stable video, but there's, there's a certain algorithm that yeah. Apple is using to stabilize that video that just feels very natural, mm-hmm. you know, and um, anyone can do digital stabilization today. And of course, these phones also use their optical stabilization in addition right. to that. But it's like, it's hard to make it look right. Here, another perfect example is we were just talking about a, f- a few minutes ago is that Vivo X50 with the gimbal, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been testing it and I'm super impressed with the camera system on that overall, every part of the camera. It's got a 5X telephoto um, periscope and it's with an 8 megapixel sensor. It's got a 2X telephoto on top of that dedicated uh-huh. for portraits. And then it had and it has a, an ultra wide. It's and so the lenses are all pretty. The sensors are all pretty small, except for that forty eight megapixel game, gimbal suspended main right. sensor. And you'd think with the gimbal, it's essentially OIS on steroids. Like mm-hmm. the entire sensor and lens are being moved, not just the lens. Right. And it has basically can do instead of three degrees of compensation, you can do up to six degrees of compensation. Nice. You'd think that it'd be the most stable phone video recording platform right mm-hmm. but it's not it's huh. it's better than most phones but is it better than an iphone or a galaxy note 20 ultra not convinced mm-hmm. in the sense that you know it's a bit of a gimmick i mean i'm i'm excited in the sense that it's they're really pushing the envelope in terms else. of yeah. hardware right. Right? right like this could be refined to be a significant improvement over even an iphone right but it's all in the software and how you take the accelerometer inputs yeah, yeah. and all that and the you know what you see what the camera sees and you compensate for it to make it look natural yeah. where i think the gimbal system really really shines is if you're doing a still mm-hmm. and you're holding that phone you can literally like it's crazy <laughs> man you can literally <laughs> start <laughs> moving the phone like lit- like a half or a quarter of an inch left and right and nothing, nothing. happens nice. and you're like whoa (laughs) like that's when you like when you do small motion like it's 
amazing. Right, right. When you start doing being really jerky, it's got a really hard time keeping up because it's a feedback loop, yeah, right? And yeah, right. and it's got these little um, you know coil motors in there, mm -hmm. and they can't keep up, right? right? Also because of the inertia of the whole yeah. thing, right? right? So interesting, but yeah. Um, overall, I think you know we've talked about display, battery life, the display. We haven't talked much uh, about it, but <laughs> other than the waterfall, man, that screen and and the refresh, that screen is just insanely good, right? Yeah, super yeah. bright. Yeah, super high quality colors. I, I don't know how they do it, Samsung. It's just like every yeah, I, year. I had to immediately go out and buy a kickstand case just because on my train, I just like to watch videos on the on the display. It's I know, awesome. 6.9 inches. It's <laughs> oh, basically man, like yeah. having your... Yeah. Remember the Nexus 7? That's basically like what yeah. you have in your yeah. pocket now. That's right. Crazy. 7-inch tablet. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We talk about battery life, performance camera. Anything else that stand out? I mean, it's... Got wireless charging, all that good stuff. The S Pen. I don't know. It's pretty packed. Oh, stereo speakers. What do you think? Mm, oh, yes. I haven't used that mm. that much, actually. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah. I mean, they sound all right to me. Yeah, but yeah. And then I'm a little annoyed with the pricing. Obviously, it's pretty expensive. I mean, don't get me it, wrong. It is, but the thing is, at the at the launch, there's so many offers. I know. <laughs> and, they, and they're actually giving you. I mean, you can find some old phone in the drawer and get like 400 bucks for it. I mean, I know, I know it's expensive, but if you buy it in the first month or so, you, you don't pay, for, just don't pay full price. I mean, find some way for sure. To, to and then wait off. a little bit and it's going to come down yeah. again. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's hard to say this because I, I am very conflicted about any phone that costs more than a thousand dollars right now, <laughs> but I still think this phone is worth the 1300. Yeah. It has yeah. everything and it does it so well. And some future proof stuff. So, yeah. you know, I mean, at the same time though, it's just like, Oh man! Also, 128 gigs as a starting uh, yeah. point for thirteen hundred dollars. I, I look. I'm totally 100 percent happy with 128. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Like the Pixel 4a for 350 as 128 gigs. Right, like that's right. what it should have, and it right. does, and it's fantastic for it. But for Note at 1300, I know. Uh, yeah, especially the Note. That is your power user Samsung. Start at 256, you know, 256. And they and don't have a 256 option. No, so they don't. The they just jump right is, to 512. <laughs> exactly. And then you really have to pay $150 more for it. So right. uh, it's a tough, yeah. the, the pricing is, you know, and then of course you get the, the, the Note 20 in there. That's like, it's just overpriced what it is. It should be 800 bucks. At the most. only thing I like about the Note 20 is I'm a real fan of that green. I wish there was that. Oh, that green, green. is lovely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I do think that it has most of the industrial design. It's a little more rounded, though. I don't understand yeah, why yeah. they didn't do what we know what I suggested earlier, which is like flat screen, yeah. small radius corners, and keep that squareness of the chassis. Right. Even if you don't have the waterfall, it would have been more in line with the aesthetic because this it feels kind of like a hybrid between an S20 design and the Note 20 Ultra, you know what I'm saying? Right. Whereas last yeah. year, the Note 10 and the Note 10 Plus were like, the same okay, thing. Okay, like yeah. exactly. Like it's like somebody scaled, like had the little dial next to them, like, oh, scale it up <laughs> right. by 20%, you know? And, and uh, that's not the case this year. And of course, then the plastic back... I think it's just insulting at that price. I don't have any issue per se with a plastic bag. Yeah, right. And also, I don't like it when they when manufacturers use plastic to replicate real materials. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're gonna use plastic, just be real about it. Like, right. make it look like right. plastic. Don't try to cheat about it. Don't say, "Ooh, it's glass," but plastic it's plastic or whatever. Or yeah. it's like the OnePlus Nord. The chassis is not metal, but it looks like metal. I, why did you have to make it look like metal? And I have no problem with plastic. I mean, most of our phones in the past were plastic. Which I know, is it's fine. fine. And, and, it's know, just it, the intent. It'll survive a drop a little bit better, all that. But sure. knock it down a little bit in price. It's right? just the you know, intent kind of and the that. price yeah. point. And then, yeah. of course, the biggest stumble, in my opinion, on the Note 20 is that 60 hertz display. Like, Yeah, right. <sighs> seriously, $1,000 <laughs> phone. Like, you just pulled a LG V60 mess up here because <laughs> but that's 699 like so you, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. like you can kind of get away they can, lg can kind of get away with it even though they totally got panned on it mm. um right let's move on to uh the surface duo a little bit um because <laughs> yeah. i feel like i didn't give it any attention last week so so just for the listeners the the surface duo was announced the day we recorded the podcast and because we did it on a wednesday last week so it was early on in the mm. week and I just didn't have time to squeeze it in the topics. And I figured that after the reaction settled, it'd be better to talk about it now. Right. And I know that you um, talked to Mary Jo recently mm -hmm. at ZDNet, Mary Jo Foley, who is a huge Microsoft encyclopedia. Um, 
She's awesome. And yeah. so I'd love to hear your take on the duo and, and what uh, the takeaway was from your conversation with her. Sure. And I think, you know, um, there was the announcement like you just mentioned, but then I, I believe it was uh, like two or three days later. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's about a 35 minute Oh, yes, video. I have. It Everybody should incredible. watch that too, because I'm telling you, okay, so Mary Jo and I are talking, you know, she's a Microsoft <laughs> guru and everything else. I, as you probably back in the day, we loved Windows Phone and all of the previous yeah. Microsoft stuff. And, and I was you know, I didn't ever want to give up my Windows phone. I eventually did. I saw this come and you'd think it naturally. Oh, this guy's a, a Microsoft fan. He'll, he'll buy it for sure. Initially, I was like, no way. You know, I, it looks kind of nice, but it's got big bezels. I don't know if it's really anything new. The hardware is blah, blah, blah. Well, then I watched that that 30 plus minute video and the light came on. It is really yeah. not about the hardware. It's really about the software and what Microsoft's doing for productivity. So I actually pre-ordered one since, since then I did right away. At first I was like, ah, no, no way. What is going on here? Come on. You know, cause, cause if you look at the specs, right, you're like, oh man, Microsoft. I mean, there's some old specs in here. You're not stacking up. We just have the note 20 released, you know, but you got to look beyond that. You know, you've got to look at the software and what they're, what they're trying to do with it. And yeah, um, no, I agree hundred percent. I feel like, it's a good fit for you, you know, because you use so many Microsoft apps, right? So, right, yeah. Like, like, but I'm, I've, I'm the same way as you. That video already turned me around. I, I still think the hardware is, is crap. Like, not. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's. It's all relative. Okay, right. like, I appreciate how thin it is. I know there's a lot of engineering that went into that hinge, that hinge, because I'm, I'm, an, I'm an engineer. I get it. Like, I, I appreciate and admire, and I don't want to negate all the effort and work that the team at Microsoft put into that. I want to be clear. You and I really sync on that because we're both right? engineers and we see things like that hinge. We're just and like, we're like, oh, oh right. <laughs> Exactly. So anybody from Microsoft that's listening right now, I really want you to understand that when I say it's crap, it's not that. It's just that I hate when phones are pre-announced like almost a year yeah. early. Mm -hmm. Like in this case, it was like nine months, more than nine months ago. Like was it October or something? Yeah, it was, it was a yeah. long yeah. time ago, yeah. 10 months ago. And then, you know, the specs are not modern, right? Like 855 right. is a fine chip. But it's not like when I see the performance level I get out of a 765 right yeah, now, right. I'm like, uh, do I want an 855 anymore? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Right. So ah, it's a tough, it's a tough sell in that sense, right? Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, for me, it's just about like the hardware, the fact that the camera is like 11 megapixels and it's probably going to suck because how do you make a decent camera that's first of all that number is a weird number a weird and it number, makes yeah. me worry that what what the hell kind of sensor are they using right and you know of course you can you can use it by flipping the phone over and then it's facing the back but i have a feeling that we're going to be very disappointed with that camera yeah and that is is a miss no matter how how cool your hardware is no matter how cool the software is if you don't want people to carry a note 20 ultra alongside your freaking duo <laughs> which or an iphone 11 pro or 12 pro this year, Microsoft, you yeah. really need, assuming they have an unlimited budget too, because $1,400. Right, right. So I think that's the thing that I'm most annoyed with is it's like, why make such a fuss about it a year ago when you could have just waited until now yeah. and maybe you could have released this with an 865. Uh, and then of course you would have had to have 5G. So how about a 765G? That would right, have run right. perfectly on that. Yeah. Like, I don't think that device needs an 855. It'll be very interesting to try this thing out. I'm a little worried about how phone calls are handled, you know, with the screens and things like that. But um, I know a lot of times the people I meet in business do have two phones, right? They've got a work phone and then they've got some other phone. This could be your work phone, right? And then your personal phone, you have, you know, your iPhone or whatever else you have for the camera. This is really, seems to me that they're not, I mean, they hardly talked about the camera. The camera to them seems to be a Teams camera more than anything else, right? They're really, really focused on the software and, and the productivity and the user experiences. Um, and like micro, like like uh, Mary Jo said in her review, this is really for Surface super fans. And it just so happens, I love the Surface hardware. And yeah, yeah, I, I can't, too. I started with the Surface 3, I, I'm on the Surface Pro 6 now, and I, I just can't ever give it up because I just love the hardware. So I part of me is saying, I I think Microsoft probably brought that to the Surface Duo too with their hardware expertise. Oh yeah, 
It's going to be fantastic it's hardware. It's not going to be a very good consumer phone, as you mentioned. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't check the boxes that consumers want. They want a fantastic camera. They want all this other and, stuff. And know. this is something that I feel is kind of a stumble. You go into it, you should know that today you cannot compromise. There are five pillars, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's display, battery life, performance, design, software. Okay, they nailed the software. That video is incredible. It really shows how what you can do with a dual screen phone. Right. All I could think of at the end of that video was, I want that on a Z Fold 2, <laughs> right? We can talk about that too, yeah. Yeah, well, let's, let's do that in a second. But, okay, design, I think it's an interesting design. I yeah. wish it has less bezel and all that, yeah, but right. for first gen, I think it's fine. It looks like two iPad minis cut together. Camera's going to suck. Battery life, hmm. Yeah, I'm a little questionable. It's only 3,000 something, right? And performance is going to be okay. But yeah. again, if it's like, you know, the Razer. You know, that Snapdragon 730 came out right around the time that, you know, 5G was a thing. And, you know, it's like, why do they keep doing that? Right, like, right. It's one thing when you're a small startup company like FX Tech, right? And they did that that, full, that phone with the, the, the flip-up keyboard, yeah, right? right, right. And they, they used an old chip because that's all they could get their hands on. And, and it, their lead times are so bad compared to like a Samsung or or an Apple, but it's Microsoft with yeah. the unlimited budget that comes along with it. it. It's like, or it's Moto with the Razer right. unlimited budget. And it seems like this one, if they would have came in at a thousand, then you might've been able to accept and that. And that's right? the other thing, the price. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's for, a lot for When you yeah. know you're not going to get that camera experience and you don't know what the battery life experience is right. going to be like. Right. And no wireless charging. So if you need to top off, you need to get, you know, you need to find a USB-C charger and that's yeah. fine. But is it a fast charger? We don't know. And, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of questions right now. It doesn't look like it's going to be water resistant. Right. I mean, I can, again, <laughs> pass on that. But uh, I don't know. It's a tough sell. And you're right. Before I saw that video, it was definitely a no way for yeah. me, right? But, but like, I really but, need, you know, I, I did buy it. I mean, I did order it. But I really need to test it out to see. Yeah, if yeah. It you're not sure if you're. I, I'm not. I'm not yeah. for. Sure, I'm not sold that. Yes, like the Note 20 Ultra. If I bought it, yes, that's that's my device. This yeah. one, I'm buying it. I'll try it. I don't know if it's my device yet. I need Correct. to really explore. It, so you know. Yeah, I feel like I can recommend the Note 20 Ultra to yeah. anyone, yeah. As, yeah. especially if they can find a deal on it or wait a little longer for to get a deal on it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but this thing is just a complete unknown, yeah. and it's going to be really interesting to see how Microsoft handles review units and. Mm -hmm. and all that stuff because it's going to speak to me a lot to how confident they are about yeah. it well i think i think at ZDNet, i think mary joe and ed are getting getting reviewing it so oh that makes sense yeah, yeah. yeah. um so you know i'm excited uh it's coming september 10th mm -hmm. yeah. for 1400 dollars microsoft surface duo uh, I want to share my thoughts. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, speaking of Moto Razor, we just talked about it. I also didn't mention on last week's show something that happened that day, which was that uh, Moto kind of like hinted and leaked a photo of a, you know, an, an event or or launch or whatever you want to call it right. for September 9th. And it's unclear what it is, but you know, by deduction, we kind of know what it is. Right. It's got to be the Razor Two or Razor Five G that's been leaked to death because everything else from Moto has pretty much come out. Like mm -hmm. there is the Edge and the Edge Plus. We, right. We're past those now. There is a 5G phone that came out, like an affordable $500 5G phone that came out in Europe. Yep. I've seen a lot of good feedback on that one. Yeah, Europe, the yeah. Moto G 5G Plus. Right, <laughs> right. <a> name. <laughs> um, and, and there is rumors that might be coming to the US. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, what else could it be at yeah, this point? Right. And um, so I'm excited about it because I really liked the first time I used the Razer in LA at that event. Okay. It was, they were hand-built units yeah. and they felt so well put together. Mm. But then when we, like I haven't played with a retail one, but yeah, from yeah. everyone else who's done both, was at that LA event and then mm. played with, a, got a review unit later, the, the mass-produced ones are just, not that well made. <laughs> that's that's what I've read. I've never tried one, but I haven't. And read as good you saw about from it. the the some of the problems with people had with screens and stuff. Yeah, uh, right. there were a lot of issues, and the fact that you know Moto, even before the bad reviews came out, did not want to seed review units yeah. to too many people, tells me they kind of knew they weren't going to be able to to meet their own standards in terms of uh, build quality. Right. You know? 
kind of like the first Galaxy Fold too. I mean, that, exactly. You know, that was a twenty-four hour review period. I think, and as such, I think yeah. the the new razor is something to look forward to because this could rectify, like yeah. they did with the Fold, um, rectify a lot of the issues. Yeah. That because I don't want to count Moto out, right. and I don't want to count the razor even though it's a little gimmicky to resuscitate that brand and make it into a flip phone, I still don't want to count it out because after using the Z Flip, I finally saw the light. Like yeah. I never got my hands on a Fold because I didn't want to spend the money on it and Samsung didn't want to send me one. Right. And there were so many compromises. Like I was like, let's skip that. And then the Z Flip, I bought one because I couldn't get a review in it. I returned it simply because I couldn't justify keeping mm. it. Like I'm like, this doesn't have 5G, and I know next year's model will. <laughs> and in fact, it came out with they came out with a 5G model like in the right. summer, yeah. um, etc. So I kind of knew that it's not something I wanted to keep long term. But I was glad I was able to try it out. It really convinced me that there's a, that folding phones, foldable phones, are a thing. Mm-hmm. And for some people, they're a good thing. Um, and there, so, was a, there was a lot of excitement around the original Razer when they started to, you know, promote it with the, the advertisements and things. There was a lot of people beyond just the the techie people that re, that remembered the Razer and they saw that and they they really yeah. wanted to love it. So I think there is definitely a market for this kind of device. You know, it'll be interesting to see what they come in if it's the Razer two with what kind of price they they launch it. I think the fourteen hundred from the I think it was fourteen hundred from the first one was was just a bit too high. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to lower it too much. That yeah. might be able to bring it to 1100 or 1000 yeah. But uh, what I'm hoping is 765G, which has been a great chip on all yeah. the phones I've reviewed, including the Velvet and, more importantly, the Nord, mm-hmm. OnePlus Nord. And then, um, you know, let's hope for better cameras because that's always the bad thing with, with Moro. Like, the Edge Plus was finally competitive with most of its peers in terms of imaging. But then I reviewed the edge recently for, uh, for geek spin and they, they took all the great stuff about the edge and instead of scaling it equally down, they kept everything except the camera. Basically (laughs) they they made the camera that was just barely competitive, much worse Uh, to the point where it's worse than a one plus Nord worse than a pixel four a. So at that point, and and of course at first they wanted 499 for it Mm -hmm. because they had a special deal from day one. But now it's six ninety nine. At six ninety nine, you can buy a one plus eight. Oh, yeah, you can yeah. buy uh, you can buy an LG V sixty. Like right. like at that point, it doesn't make any sense to buy um, the Edge. So it's 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 always cameras that worry me about mm. the motor phones. And I the you know the original Razer. That's another thing. It shipped with an older chip. It shipped with a crappier camera, yeah. you know, right. that than it should have because it was in development for so long. Right. So this has got to end, and I really hope <laughs> that this new phone fixes that. So speaking of of folding phones, let's quickly touch on the Z Fold Two. Obviously, I've talked about it on the show. We know it's yeah. coming. Uh, is it September first? I think it is. Um, Something like that. I think so. About that. And yeah. it's. We don't know the pricing yet. No. Nobody in the media knows who's getting review units. It's right. probably going to be very limited like the Fold and the yeah. Z Flip was. But here's the thing. I feel for the first time very confident that Samsung can really you know, deliver on the vision of the original Fold right. with no compromises on this new phone. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I purchased the original... Yeah, the, not the original original, but when they actually re-released it, right, last summer. I purchased right. that. I kept it for about four months. I loved it. I thought it was great. I know there was a huge crease in the middle and, and all of that, and that the outside display was pretty small. So we're seeing some good improvements in this. But And, and I, I, I probably would have been one of the first to probably want to order the Z Fold 2. But the Surface Duo kind of opened my eyes to what you can do with a dual screen device. And exactly. I tried so much to use the Fold when I had it with two apps side by side. But it's really just like, it's almost like the LG V60. You know, it's really just two apps side by side. There wasn't a lot of interaction between the apps. Exactly. And when you're talking about the Fold, when it's open, yeah, it's a big screen. But two apps side by side is a pretty narrow user experience. And I didn't get as much utility out of it as I was hoping. So yeah. unless Samsung offers some new software things, which, I mean, Microsoft's showing it can be done. It wouldn't be nice to see Samsung. And as you we talked about before the show, LG, <laughs> focus yeah. on some software improvements in the dual screen or the dual app experience. Right now, yep. even though I was a huge Fold fan, 
probably not going to get a Z Fold 2 unless I see Samsung doing some more with that display in, when you yeah, open it up. No, and I and I hear you, especially since you just spent money or you're about to spend money on yeah. the Duo um, because I don't think they take your money until it ships. Right. But the, the point is that, yeah, I get it and I feel the same way, but I'm still more excited about the Z Fold 2 simply because it is wider. Yes. So yeah. it should be able to accommodate two apps side by side. So from a hardware perspective, it fixes a lot of the issues from last year, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That outside uh, the bigger is just front like a screen phone. and all that stuff. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But I feel like software is going to be the key. And mm -hmm. that is a little bit what I'm worried about because, you know, I think one UI has been an okay experience. Yeah. It's been mm -hmm. a much, much better experience than previous stuff on Samsung. But I'm still so much happier on a Moto. <laughs> on a OnePlus, on a Pixel. Oh yeah. my God, my daily is a OnePlus yeah. 8 Pro. And once you use that for a while, like you just don't want to go back to non-stock, which is worrying me about Oxygen OS because the Oxygen OS 11 is supposedly to be a little bit heavier-handed in terms of uh, skinning. Yeah, it's awesome. And so they're cool. trying to find their you know brand now that they're a big they're in the big leagues, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a little worried about that. But as long as they can keep it snappy and relatively clean, I think I'm going to be all right. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to something else, you know, that we're talking about a lot of productivity devices <laughs> on this show. It's like the Note, then we've got, you know, the Duo. Well, I do write for Zendinet, so I, I got know, after. I know, but I'm just saying, like, you kind of, it's kind of the perfect time that you had you on. But yeah. I'm just saying it's interesting that the other thing that happened this week was that BlackBerry is coming back. Like, like this was the weirdest PR <laughs> experience I had. I got this email with the most cryptic subject line, and I was literally hovering above the delete button <laughs> when I read it a second time, and I was, wait a minute, they're actually talking about a, a smartphone with a hardware keyboard and 5G. Uh -huh. Oh, I shouldn't delete this. I should reply and say, yes, I'm interested and I agree to the embargo. And then they did it the night before the embargo lifted. Like it was in the <laughs> evening Pacific time and I got that email. I'm not sure it's because they did a second round of people at the last minute because, you right. know, I'm not like, it's not like I'm an Engadget anymore where everybody wants my attention. But it's interesting because once I responded, they were very responsive mm -hmm. and they gave me all the spiel and actually set up a briefing with me at like 10 p.m. Eastern time, like 7 p.m. Pacific, like just on the spot oh, with wow. the CEO and founder. And I asked him a lot of hard questions and he was very polite and friendly. Uh, he's a nice guy. I, I think he can't tell me anything because they're really keeping the mm. cards close to their chest right, right now. But basically, here's the thing. There's this company called Onward Mobility and they're a startup um, based in Texas. And they are they acquired the BlackBerry hardware like mobile phone license right. from blackberry the company for those of you who don't know this blackberry has always been around like they yeah. stopped making phones but they're like sell security software to mobile and enterprise customers mm -hmm. so they've been around for, they haven't disappeared right. and then they've licensed their name to third parties for hardware and mm -hmm. so the first licensee was tcl which right. gave us the key one and key two which were great phones but mm -hmm. had you know, needed to be mid-rangers, yet there were no chips at the time to really make a mid-ranger right. fly. And we have that today with a 765G, which is why I'm excited. Mm -hmm. And then they also licensed uh, to a company in India that is making some BlackBerry branded phones for India only. Can't remember the name of the, the company that does that. And then TCL gave up that license recently. And then this company, Onward Mobility, picked up the license. And they're promising that they're going to give us a BlackBerry branded portrait keyboard hardware keyboard phone mm -hmm. with 5g which is going to be both for consumers and enterprise which is going to be they didn't say this this is what i'm implying from my discussion with mm -hmm. them this is going to be i think a 765g yeah. uh, premium mid-range phone right so in the same sense as the key one and key two weren't flagships for their time but that to me doesn't mean too much because Based on my experience with the 765G, if the cameras are okay on that phone, I think it's going to be perfectly solid as a mid-ranger, you know? Absolutely. And the interesting thing now, you know, is uh, don't focus on the, the name. You know, if, if some people will say, oh, another BlackBerry. I don't know about this. But look at where, <laughs> look at where we're at in today's uh, smartphone world, right? We've got so many different new uh, form factors, ways to use foldables, you know, all this other kind of thing. I, I'm interested to see how they come out with this keyboard, right? Could it be a, 
what was it? The, was it the priv that slid up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they slide it up. How can they do it without compromising too much of the screen? I mean, there's a lot of options nowadays for them to come out with something that could be very interesting. And, you know, um, I, I, I've, I was a physical keyboard guy for a long time. I've moved on. They've gotten so good with the software. Oh, yeah, but if you come out with a nice keyboard and don't compromise the screen too much, I'm, I'll consider it, you know? So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they're going to come out with, you know? And it's also interesting. Are they going to have these other BlackBerry uh, security elements that were also in the TCL phones, which was a big thing for enterprise people too. Yeah, so from my briefing, they are basically building this from the ground up, from everything. They're partnering with FIH, which is a Foxconn Uh, mm -hmm. subsidiary in Hong Kong. So they're from the ground up, from actually the manufacturing process up, the hardware is going to be secure. Okay. So they can guarantee that there's no like chips in there that were put in by the you know the factory <laughs> at the last minute right. that could spy on you or something like that. So there being uh, there's a big focus on uh, security and the BlackBerry software experience mm-hmm. delivered on this uh, hardware that they're working on. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it, and uh, but I'm also excited the non-productivity device of this week, <laughs> the uh, under-display camera. This is not the first time we've seen this. Oppo and Vivo have shown, and Xiaomi, uh, I should say BBK Group and Xiaomi have both shown prototypes of phones with under-display cameras. But the rumors is that ZTE is coming out with an Axon 25G, that's the name of the phone, mm-hmm. in China, with which will be the first production phone, supposedly, with an under-display camera. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, I mean, I like, my screen real estate, you know, I don't want a hole or a notch. So if this can be something that starts off kind of meh, but yeah. builds into something usable in a year or two generations, I'm on board. So just to clarify what we're talking about here, an under display camera. So there's not a notch. There's not a hole. There's not, you, you would be able to see the display. And then when the camera comes on that certain area of the display goes black or, or, yep. or, or, and lights up or whatever. Yeah. yeah interesting okay yeah because i don't use my front-facing camera that much so 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 to me you know do away with it that is the challenges so far from what i hear is that as you've probably seen from a lot of the punch hole camera phones uh-huh. the f-stop on those lenses is pretty poor like yeah, it's right. the apertures are small f over 2.2 2.4 yep. and so they you know being under being in the display with a notch or hole adds enough layers of glass there that it it you know reduces the ability to gather light. Right. So and then you combine that with a small sensor, not as good of a sensor as the back sensor, and you you know you get some compromises. Mm-hmm. So that's always been the challenge. So now you're actually adding another layer on top of that right. of pixels, right? So now you can black out the pixels and they're close enough to the lens that they can be out of focus and you can have software compensation yeah. for that layer of you know invisible pixels. Right. But the f-stop on these are going to be, and the low light performance, these are going to be the big challenge, mm-hmm. right? So, and also the color science, because um, the the OLED on top of it is not perfectly transparent. Right. It adds a kind of, you know, contaminates the color in yeah, a way as well. Right. So, can they, rec- you know, can they recover the color science to make this make our skin tones look natural? Right. Which obviously for selfies is kind of like the most important thing, and then make <laughs> right. everything else look right. Yeah. You know, and they already yeah. have enough for a hard time in Chinese on Chinese phones to to master that. Like, I- I'm not being mean here. I'm just saying, like, you know. Like Google's mastered it, Apple has, Samsung's finally getting there, Huawei's finally getting there with Leica. But like, you know, OnePlus is doing a pretty good job, BBK Group in general, right. like that Vivo gimbal phone's pretty solid. But I still think you can tell they're not quite there in terms of like matching the color between all the lenses, right. um, et cetera. And so it's a challenge, you know? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's definitely, it's nice to see innovations like this come about. And ZTE does a good job with their, I've been very happy with their products in the past. So I'm looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I feel the same. Um, last thing I want to touch on really briefly, because it's, this could be an entire podcast of its <laughs> own. Um, and another thing that happened right around the time I recorded the show last week, which was the whole Epic suing Apple and Google yeah. about um, Fortnite in the App Store. Um, it's a very complicated topic. As somebody who worked in video games for 20 years, I'm kind of seeing both sides here. I think that 
you know, Epic is being, you know, a little strong-handed and Apple is and Google have always been a little strong-handed on the App Store. And my takeaway in general here is that no matter what the outcome is here, this is necessary yeah, because right. App Stores like the future of mobile is no longer just apps that you download and install and are insular um, and are binaries that are controlled by, you know, Apple or Google. And that's important because we need that. We need mm -hmm. the curation. Right. We need the content to be quality. And more importantly, we need the security aspects. And I totally understand that and agree with that. However, this is not the future of apps. Apps are going to be dynamic in the future in mm -hmm. the sense that they, you know, they will evolve. Like you will be able to start with a free app and then you want to get the paid version. You know, right now you can do that. Right. An app, you can hit button and then you have a license. Right. But imagine going way further than that where code actually gets added to the app you're running right now in real time. Mm -hmm. Like it's a game. Imagine it's a game that spans the entire world. You don't want to download 40 gigabytes to your phone from the app store that contains the entire universe. You just want to be able to roam the universe and over 5G, the universe gets streamed to yeah. you. The textures, the models, the sounds, and the code related to that area of the world could be streamed. Now, how does an app store handle that? Yeah, right. They can't handle that code because it can't be reviewed because like, it could change. <laughs> and, and it's exactly what yeah, Epic yeah. proved. They said, look, we added some server code to our servers for Fortnite, and all of a sudden there's an in-app purchase uh, option. Right. We didn't change the binary in any way, yeah. proving that Apple's model and Google's model don't really work. Right. Like if you can't, it's clearly the security is not up for it, right? right? Like it's, you, you can break it that way. So of course they got booted and, and then they sued. Right. Epic got booted from the apps, both app stores and got sued for adding that feature because Apple's saying, well, we want to make our 30% cut on this stuff. And so I'm a little worried that Apple is not really seeing that they need to accommodate this kind of upcoming model right. and find a reasonable way to make a profit on it so that it don't, it, may, it might not have to be 30%, right? But I like what you said. I mean, I, I, you're, you're looking ahead and I really think, I'm glad that Epic is, is at least a company with a lot behind it to stand up here and challenge the way that they, you know, the app stores and the Google play store were established. I mean, these were established what a decade ago now, and they're still Correct. using that same model. It's time. Like you said, with 5g and with the devices and the servers and all this stuff, it's time to take a reevaluation. And it would be nice if Apple and Google would just say, yeah, let's take another look at this stuff and see what the better way is to make everybody happy. You know? And I think it's going to happen. Yeah, this is the yeah, beginning. Yeah. I mean, Microsoft has xCloud coming. You know, Stadia is a different thing because you're actually streaming con like a game that's actually playing on a remote server. And that's right. not what I'm talking about here. Right. I'm talking about the game is running on your device, but it's getting new actual binary code mm -hmm. sent to it in right. chunks. And assets, content, like video and graphics and, and sound sent to it and levels and stuff in real time. That's already happening. Right. And that's not, Apple doesn't have an issue with that. It's the code side they have an issue with. Right. They're very, because they're like security and they don't understand. Like even when I worked in video games 10, 20 years ago, we used to have self-modifying code running <laughs> on hard stuff. That's, that's one of the clever tricks as a developer you can yeah. use. Uh, back then it was a lot easier because there weren't as much hacking and security issues. Right. And I understand that the security issues yeah, are yeah, serious here. The repercussion needs to be explored. Mm -hmm. But sandboxed apps today, like you, when you run an app on an, especially on iOS, it's living in its own universe. Yeah. It cannot see the other apps. Right. Like it's very compartmentalized. And I think that it should be possible. We, from an engineering point of view, I know it can <laughs> be done that we can make this happen and work. I think the biggest challenge here is how who pays for what and how, yeah, right? right? Because right. this 30% cut that both Google and Apple are grabbing from the app store, from whether it's in-app purchases or apps themselves right. or you know whatever it might be, is I think kind of broken. Yeah, and and yeah. I'm not saying that they shouldn't make 30%. I mean, that's, that's a debatable thing. Right, should, right. I think it should be less personally, but I feel like, you know, they need to accommodate some way for Epic and others, especially gaming is going to push this really yeah, hard. Like, right. I really don't think, 
like when you look at what VR is supposed to be working, you put your VR headset on and all of a sudden you just navigate a virtual world. Well, this virtual world, where does thing begin and end? It's no longer a model of like you have a screen and then you swap one app in and you swap an app out right. and you put another app in and you put another out. No, you're just turning your head around, right. right? And you're looking at things and all of a sudden the universe needs to basically change in real time to accommodate that. Right. You can't just have the player pause there and go like, <laughs> Oh, you need to go to the app store now and download this part of the app. Like people are gonna like screw you. Like I'm not. You're breaking our VR experience. That's just one example of how this model would be broken. So if Epic were to make a VR game that complex and you couldn't in real time add stuff to the game, how does that work? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so that's it, folks. I mean, you know, we uh, could talk about the Pixel 5 leaks. There's a whole bunch of that going on. But it's just, you know, at this point, we kind of know what's coming. It, it, it's like, you know, the we we all hoping that Google is going to do the right thing and give us a bit of a better battery, battery. And, <laughs> and, and, a, and a third lens with an ultra-wide, right. uh, you know, capability and all the things you need but it's very possible that google is going to just google it like they always do (laughs) google be google and does their own thing after the success that's the pixel 4a frankly yeah yeah. i don't really care right like i'm i can point at that phone right now for most people and say you want a solid android phone that you know is going to make you happy every day there it is 350 dollars done you know absolutely all right. Well, listen, uh, Matt, do you want to tell folks where on the internet they can find you at all the various handles and publications? Yeah, I'm on, the, I'm on ZDNet. I have two blogs there, smartphones and cell phones and the mobile gadgeteer. And then uh, on Twitter at Palm Solo. Yes. Do you want to tell folks? Because, I mean, you know, we're old now. <laughs> like the young ones don't know what you're talking about when you say Palm Solo. When I say Palm Solo? So I started using... Palm devices, Palm OS PDAs in 1997. And I was a huge fan uh-huh. of Palm. And if you look in my home office, I'm also a massive Han Solo fan. So I combined the two and I, I did this back in probably 98 when I started going online and interacting with people in communities and discussion forums. I created the Palm Solo and it's it's been my name. Most A lot of people actually only know me as Palm Solo. They're like, oh, that's who. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's a super awesome handle. So now you know, folks, because I, I'm not sure everybody knew that. I think the the Han Solo reference, I think most people get it. Right, yeah. It's just the palm, the palm side, part, right? right? Like we all forgot about <laughs> palm and how, what palm was. Palm was a huge thing oh, like man. Blackberry and Nokia once. Absolutely. And now they just make a tiny phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L, like the comic book character, but drop the vowels. That's my Twitter handle. It's also my Instagram handle. If you want to discuss the podcast with me, uh, the best probably way to do that is to go to Twitter and chat with me. And then um, Instagram is where I have photos of the phones that I'm reviewing, photos taken with the phones I'm reviewing. So check that out as well. Some uh, some eye candy to go along with the podcast. As the podcast is currently audio only, there is also video content on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash mobile tech podcast, all spelt out. There's unboxings there, some reviews, some hands-ons. Check it out. It's nice little eye candy and visuals that go alongside the podcast. I want to ask if you subscribe to the show that you consider rating the podcast or reviewing the podcast. Some platforms actually support that. And if you can, that would help. So where can you find us? Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, a bunch of other places. And if you're kind of old school and you want an RSS feed and add it to your good old RSS reader uh, or RSS uh, podcast catcher or whatever it's called, then mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL. And of course, there's links there to join uh, through the various platforms for podcasting as well. So mobiletechpodcast.com for RSS. And finally, I want to say that there is a donate link in the show notes. If you can help, that would be great. Uh, I do this as a labor of love and uh, to sustain it, I can definitely use your help. It's a PayPal link in the show notes, so check that out. And I want to thank Audible, our sponsor. They've been with us forever and they're such a great platform. If you love books, 
as much as I do, but you're not always in a place where you can maybe read the book because you're driving or like, you know, my perfect example that I use every week is like, you know, you're working for FedEx, you're driving a delivery van. How many podcasts can you listen to in one day? Like you probably <laughs> want to listen to some long form content and that's where audiobooks and Audible come into play. And so, you know, consider joining Audible with the link in the show notes. It's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. You get a deal and you help the podcast. It's a two-way street. So the deal is 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end. And you know, they have a ton of selection. Like their books are often read by the authors. It's one of my favorite things. This is a really great platform. So consider joining and in exchange it helps it helps the podcast it helps me and helps me do this every week and uh, i want to thank audible for being with us since the early days and being a sponsor of the show and i also want to thank you matt for being on the show yet again yeah thanks miriam i really appreciate it this is a great one this is the, all my lovely topics <laughs> i know I, I sometimes doesn't fit perfectly but i think like perfect storm <laughs> it was all productivity and enterprise there we go and, it was a good time yeah for sure I'll definitely have you on again, Matt. Thanks for being here. And folks, you know I'll do another show next week, so please stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.